0: One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. But uh, if you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and uh, I'm just going to read verses 1 to 5. And it says this verse 1. Everybody got it? Okay. Verse 1, it says this Pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts. A a better translation of that is not just desire, but eagerly desire. Or be zealous for spiritual gifts. In other words, don't just be passive about it. But there should be some, some passion in your heart towards the things that God gives you. How many of you know that God has so many great things available for us, but oftentimes He's looking for people that will, that will reach out in faith and take hold of it. Yeah. Some people uh, just kind of have the mentality, well, if God wants to give it to me, then He knows where to find me. And uh, is it any wonder those, thing, those people never receive anything from God, right? Okay. Selah. <laughs> Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Who does he speak to? He who prophesies speaks to men. But he who speaks in a different tongue edifies himself, and he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish that you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today For your word, God, thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our paths. And God, we pray that over these next minutes, God, that more than just my ideas and my thoughts, Lord, we pray that it would be your ideas and your thoughts communicated to us. We pray, Father, that there would be faith to take hold of everything that you have for us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're just joining us today for the first time, or maybe you haven't been here in a little while, we are in a series that we are calling Inspire. Or uh, if you pronounce it in the original pronunciation, it is inspire, which I like because it, it kind of emphasizes the, the root of that word, which is Spirit. And we are talking about living in the Spirit and in particular what the Bible calls the manifestations of the Spirit or spiritual gifts. And we are intentionally taking our time through this series just kind of plodding along one week at a time to lay a strong foundation in our minds and our understanding so that we could have faith to believe God for the gifts that He has for us. And we started in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts or the things that the Spirit does. And we've talked about various gifts. We've talked about um, the, the love gifts of hospitality. We've talked about administration. We've talked about uh, a variety, leadership, um, a, a lot of different gifts. And today I want to talk to you about the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. Now, up until this point in the series, I think we're all in a place of agreement. Everybody hears uh, hospitality, and I've never heard anybody go, I don't believe in the gift of hospitality. I've got a problem with the gift of administration. The church just doesn't need administration. Administration is not for today. That's a thing of the past, right? I've not heard anybody say that, but now we are beginning to get to some of the gifts that oftentimes cause the greatest challenge when it comes to our understanding and our operation of the gifts of the Spirit. These gifts are often what are called the miraculous gifts. And I know that probably across this congregation today, there are people from a a wide spectrum of backgrounds, a wide spectrum of beliefs, a wide spectrum of experiences when it comes to these gifts. And so as we start this message today, I just want to establish a common baseline of understanding and agreement that we are going to build off of in our understanding of the gift of prophecy. And here's the the big idea of the gift of prophecy. It is this that God speaks to his people. That's that's the if you don't understand prophecy, if you if you have questions, maybe you've seen things that have been confusing, maybe when we say the word prophecy, it like gives you that cringe factor. Let me just simplify it with this idea. The big idea of prophecy is that God. Speaks to his people. Now, I wish I had time to unpack the, that whole thought throughout all of the Bible. From the very beginning, the book of Genesis, the Bible says that God made man in his image. He created him male and female. He, he, he made them and God blessed them. And the next part says, Then God said, Be fruitful and multiply. In other words, the very first voice that mankind heard was the voice of God. God is a speaking God. God is a relational God. Steph said it earlier. He's not far off. We talked about it last week that God's primary revelation of Himself is that He is our Father. And and He loves to have relationship. He loves to be with us. And so we see all the way from the very beginning Uh, of creation that God is speaking. And we could trace that throughout the Old Testament. We could trace it into the New Testament and and look at all of that. In fact, I've got a little slide I'll put up if you want to just geek out on your own time. Let's put up that history of hearing from God slide. I think we have it. And um, there you go. Okay, so snap a photo of this and you can geek out on your own time on... uh, This history of God speaking to people, but basically what God, uh, the the relationship that God intended in the garden when he spoke to Adam and Eve, he was intending to dwell with his people, to speak to his people, that they would be his people and he would be their God and there would be fellowship together, but you don't have to read very far in the book of Genesis before you know that that did not happen in the way God intended, Because Adam and Eve sinned against God and they were driven out of the garden, driven out of relationship with God. And there was a partition between God and man. And and the, the history of the Old Testament is really God reaching out to his people, trying to speak to his people. He raised up prophets that would be men and women that he would speak through to his people, the children of Israel But then the Bible says, I love what John chapter 1 says. John chapter 1, verse 1, it starts off this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. In other words, what was lost in the garden that communication, that hearing from God was restored through Jesus. He was the Word in the flesh. Everything that Jesus said was a word from God. In fact, when Jesus was born, there had prior to that been 400 years of prophetic silence. There had not been a a single word from God. And into the midst of that silence came the voice of God, and it sounded like a baby. He was identifying with our needs. He was identifying with our situation. Now, I want to give you a little example or an illustration that, that will hopefully help us to understand this, and it's the story of Helen Keller. Now, many of you are probably familiar with the story of Helen Keller Uh, A a young girl who was born born healthy, born normal with all of her faculties hearing and and sight. A healthy child for the first 19 months of her life. But at 19 months of age, Helen Keller fell sick. And she ended up going blind and, and losing her hearing. So at 19 months, she fell into a world of darkness and silence. Can you imagine what that would be like? I, I was thinking of my, my precious Clara that was down here in worship and just worshiping the Lord. And she's seeing and she's hearing. And that was the condition that Helen had been in, that she she could hear, she could see. And suddenly when she was 19 months of age, she fell in through sickness. She fell into this, this world of darkness and silence, totally cut off from any intelligible communication with the outside world. World. The memories that or the voices that she was used to hearing were now only memories of the past. No doubt, over time, the faces of her parents that she had been used to seeing were blurring into the darkness of her current reality. She was cut off from any outside communication in a world of darkness, in a world of silence. But when she was six years old, she had a, a teacher named Ann Sullivan. And Ann was not content to leave Helen in this condition. Anne believed that it was possible for Helen to hear, that it was possible for Helen to communicate or to be communicated with. And perhaps you've seen the movie, perhaps you know the, the, the scene in the movie as Anne takes Helen almost in frustration out of uh, just exhaustion of dealing with the condition, and she brings her down to a water pump, and she puts puts Helen's hand under the water. And in the other hand, she begins to sign the letters of the water, the letters water, W-A-T-E-R, W-A-T-E-R. And as she was signing that into Helen's hand, suddenly the lights came on for Helen. Suddenly the condition that she had been of darkness and silence and total isolation from the rest of the world, from any intelligent communication, suddenly that was broken as she recognized that Anne was indeed sending her a message through those signs in her hand. Helen says this, a quote from her autobiography. She said, As the cool cool stream gushed over one hand, and she spelled into the other the word water, first slowly, then rapidly, I stood still, my whole attention fixed upon the motions of her fingers. Suddenly I felt a misty consciousness as of something forgotten, A thrill of returning thought, and somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew then that W-A-T-E-R meant the wonderful, cool something that was flowing over my hand. That living word awakened my soul, gave it light, hope, joy, set it free. There were barriers still, it is true, but barriers that could in time be swept away. What an amazing, amazing story. And I tell that to you today because I believe that that is a picture of what God wants for you and I. Many of us, although perhaps we have put our faith in Jesus, we are still living functionally cut off from the voice of God. We are still living in a world of silence and of darkness and perhaps there's moments of memory of what was lost in the life that God has intended for us but I want you to know that God is a speaking God that God wants to speak to you and I and perhaps today will be the day that God will do in your life in the spirit what happened to Helen in the natural that suddenly the lights came on as those Letters were traced in her hand and she knew. I love what it says. Misty consciousness of something forgotten as the mystery of language was revealed to me. God is a speaking God and he cares about you. He knows you and he wants to speak to your condition. The gift of prophecy is the present word of God to your life today. It's the word of God to your life today. Today. And Paul says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. There's something about prophecy that, first of all, builds up the body of Christ, but it also causes the other gifts and God's purpose for our lives to be released. Prophecy, by definition, is the supernatural ability to receive the mind or emotions of God on a given subject at a given time by the prompting of the, and revelation of the Holy Spirit. It's the ability to get the mind or emotions of God at a given time by the prompting and revelation of the Holy Spirit. R.T. Kendall, a great pastor and theologian, says this, Prophecy, I think we have this on the screen, Prophecy is an immediate revelation from God. Or knowledge that is beyond natural senses. In other words, prophecy is something that you can't know in the natural. It's something beyond your natural senses. And I believe this, that in a world that is increasingly um, committed just to to natural senses and to tasting and touching and and all of the, the, the scientific world that we live in, I believe that prophecy is a great, great gift a. W. Tozer said it this way: Prophecy must alarm, arouse, challenge. It is God's present voice to a particular people. This morning, before service, I went back into the uh, kitchen. I was just walking by the kitchen, and Sarah Hammer was back there brewing coffee. Who's thankful for coffee? <laughs> Sarah Hammer brew, brewing coffee. And, and I went in, and I said to—I uh, just kind of walked by. I was popping my head in. I said, "Sarah, she went. Ah, oh, she like jumped." And uh, Which, just for the record now, we all have to do that to Sarah. Any opportunity you have to alarm her, take advantage of it, okay? But that's what Tozer is saying that prophecy will do. Prophecy is, oh, I didn't know you were there. Prophecy, God is, is with us, but it's prophecy that causes us to go, whoa, God is here. God's among us. It awakens us. It alarms us in a good, good way. Now, I know many of us have, have perhaps, when we talk about prophecy, I know there's many challenges that people can fall into or can think of or maybe barriers that come to mind uh, right off the bat. I know that for some, some people, perhaps you grew up in a church that it was taught that those things are not for today. Now, we have the Bible. We don't need anything else. And really, that's based on a, a verse out of 1 Corinthians that says that when that which is perfect is revealed, that uh, that prophecy and knowledge and, and and all of tongues will cease. When that which is perfect comes, prophecy, tongues, knowledge will cease. And so they say, okay, the Word of God is perfect, and so we no longer need prophecy. The funny thing about that is as they're teaching that, they're operating in knowledge, which that same verse says will cease. Has knowledge ceased? Wives, don't look at your husband, okay? Okay present company excluded, right? Has knowledge ceased? No. And therefore, prophecy has not ceased as well. Now, there there is, again, there's a longing for the fullness of it. The Bible says that it's like a a light that is in this darkness until the, the morning light appears. So there is this in part view that we have right now as we long to see the fullness of it come, but there's oftentimes there's two errors that we fall into when it comes to the gift of prophecy. And perhaps you can relate to one of these. These are two equal but opposing errors that we often fall into. And on one side is the error of silence. That's people saying, well, we have the Bible. We don't really need to hear anything from God. God's not involved in our life today. And so we're just kind of you know, we'll study the Bible, but don't expect to hear from God, and it's just crickets, right? Anybody ever been in a place like that? Other than right now? Yeah. Yeah, there are, there are many churches, there's denominations that, that that's their thing. It's like, God doesn't speak today, that's our thing. It's like, man, wouldn't there be a better thing to have than that? Okay. But that's, uh, and oftentimes it's intellectualism. I, again, I got a graphic, we'll put it up. I think. So, oftentimes, intellectualism is, I just have to understand everything. And it drives us towards silence. That's where a lot of churches are today. You'll go in, and they may have great music. They may have good teaching. they, They may have great you know, atmosphere, great building, all of those things. But in terms of actually hearing from God, now we don't really do that anymore. That they, they are living in silence. On the other end of the spectrum is sloppiness. Anybody ever been to a place like that? Sloppiness goes like this. Anything that comes to your mind must be God, so just shout it out. Anybody ever been to a place like that? And God's like, that's not me. I didn't say that. That was him. That was her. That's not me. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's just sloppiness in the prophetic. And, and sometimes it's based in emotionalism. People just get worked up, like Paul talked about the Corinthians. They were just carried away, he said. So you get, you work up, you get carried away. And there's just like this sometimes out of a, a right desire, but it just creates chaos. It creates sloppiness. And that's what Paul was dealing with in Corinth. But I believe that God wants to bring us into a balanced place that is not silence and it is not sloppiness, but it's what I would call stewarding the gift of prophecy. That we are valuing God's word to us, that we are listening to it, And that we are allowing a divine discontent to keep us from falling into silence. We go, God, there has to be something more than just go to church, be a good person. God, I want to hear from you. So divine discontent pulls us out of silence, but then also biblical boundaries keep us from falling into sloppiness. The Bible says that everything should be done decently and in order. And so, even as there is the gift of prophecy being released, there are biblical boundaries. How many of you know boundaries are important? Yeah. Order is important. Yeah. Yes. But how many of you know power is important too? Yeah. Right? A car with no gas is, with no fuel is pretty useless. Right? But how many of you know that you don't just go up to your, your car and just spray gas all over it? Right? There's like a boundary. There's a gas tank that you put it in, right? The same is true in prophecy. The Bible gives us boundaries that will keep us from falling into sloppiness and a divine discontent that will keep us from falling into silence. And so that's where we want to be as a church. We want to be in that place of stewarding prophecy. I'll tell you honestly myself, there's been times in the past where I've allowed intellectualism to pull me towards silence, where I've seen things that, that were abuses, that were not right. Um, and, and so it drove me into a place of silence. But how many of you know that ignoring something is also another form of abuse? Right? Ignoring the Holy Spirit, ignore, ignoring the gifts that God has given to us is not God's plan either. So we want to live in that place of stewarding the gift of prophecy. So I want to give you just a few points On true prophecy. How do we function in this gift of prophecy that the Bible tells us that we should desire, that we should pursue, and that we should not neglect? Here's a few things of how do we recognize true prophecy. The first thing I want you to see is that true prophecy lifts up Jesus. Thank you, Warner, for that feedback. True prophecy lifts up Jesus. In other words it's it's not just about self. It's not about oh I'm I'm about to get you know I'm going to get my prophecy on. I'm going to look uh you know look super spiritual. There are some places where spiritual gifts are really just flesh on display. Right? And, and the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so how do we know if it's true prophecy? Prophecy, true prophecy is always lifting up Jesus. It's always Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused. It's not about any person looking spiritual, or drawing attention to ourselves, it will always draw attention to Jesus. That means this, practically speaking, the gift of prophecy does not require you to like put on a funny voice. It doesn't require you to like, oh, you know. Uh. Now, let me say this, equal equal to that, perhaps there there's there may be some funny things that happen that we should not throw out the... The, the baby with the bathwater. Sometimes we say, okay, God, here's the little box that you have to work with, and nothing can go out of my definition of normality. God, yeah, fit in my box. Have you ever read the Bible? Like that will totally explode your boundaries, okay? And so God, God may challenge those things, but it's always to lift him up. It's always lifting up Jesus. That means this, that that we also have a basis for judging what is true and what is counterfeit prophecy. Sometimes in in an attempt to be open to spiritual things, we can run after things that are ultimately not of God. There are counterfeit forms of prophecy. And, And I would say this, what I've seen in our culture is those things growing in Uh, people, you know, interest in various forms of spirituality. I think oftentimes it's because the church has said, we can't be spiritual in church. Let's just kind of, you know, let's make sure nothing's weird, nothing's, you know, let's just kind of have nice music and make it all understandable to everybody, and what ends up happening is people that have a hunger for something spiritual and something supernatural end up having to go somewhere else because they can't find it in the church. Yeah? Any, anybody driven by Dinah? I forget. It's, it's just out the corner here. It's a Palm Reader. You know, she's like marketing big time. I see her yard signs around. Social media, sponsored ads, she's like getting the word out there because there is a hunger for true power. And, and, and I would say this, that just because you are thirsty does not mean that you should drink out of a toilet, okay? Just, just because there is a thirst does not mean that we should go to things that ultimately will produce death in our lives, Right? And so something may be spiritual, and it may even be accurate, but if it is not pointing us to Jesus, ultimately it is destructive in our lives. And so in our openness to spiritual things, we need to make sure that we're not just blown by every breeze that comes along. That's why the Word of God is so important that we build it into our lives so that we can recognize what is authentic, there's all kinds of forms of counterfeit spirituality that are spiritual and may be powerful and may even know something about your life but it is not some it is not a life-giving spirit the bible says that the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy and so as we're open to the work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, we need to make sure that we are guarded against counterfeit spirituality. So number one, prophecy will always lift up Jesus. Number two, prophecy guides us into God's will. Prophecy guides us into God's will. The Bible says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, that we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed, as a light that shines in a dark place. Anybody ever been in a dark place? I don't mean like an emotional dark place. I mean like you've been in a, like a really dark place. I remember a few years ago, or a number of years ago, I used to ride my bike as my primary form of, of uh, transportation, and uh, Jen and I shared a car. And I remember I would ride my bike home from work uh, in Longwood, and I, there was two routes I could take. One was Markham Woods Road, Um, This was like midnight at night, so I could ride on Markham Woods Road. Of course, there's people flying down that road, and uh, I could take my chances. Who knows where they were coming from or what they had been doing. The other alternative was, I think it's the seminole Wakaiva Trail, which is not lit, okay? And there are bears, okay? (laughs) And so I've never ridden my bike so fast in my life Also thinking, is it better to hit a bear going fast or hit a bear going slow? I don't know. I didn't have a light. And so I was just, there would be, seriously, it was the moonlight. And I was like, this is dark on another level. I need a light. And there's a lot of people that live in that place that stumbling through life, not knowing what is ahead of them. And the gift of prophecy, God gives that to guide us. Now, it it always has to align with the scripture. So we know this is God's final authority on our life and faith, but there are some things that, the, that are not addressed in the Bible, like whether you should get married, who you should get married to, should you take this job. Anybody ever found those things in the Bible? Justin, Mary, Jennifer. No, it's, it wasn't in there, okay? But how many of you think that it is of some concern to God how we live our lives, right? And so God will use prophecy, oftentimes aligned with Scripture, to guide us into His purpose for our lives. That that was the case for Jennifer and I when we got married. Um, I, I knew that I wanted to marry her. I didn't need a prophetic word. I just knew it was just wisdom. That's all I knew. I just had, I knew it was the right thing to do. And um, but she one day was praying and. Like, some of you know our story. I don't say it that much because it's not what everybody needs to follow. But we, like, never really dated. We just, like, planned to get married, okay? Another story for another time. But um, we were in Virginia. Um, Hurricane Francis had come through, and we evacuated to Virginia. She was staying with her sister. I was staying with my family. And one morning in prayer, we were just kind of beginning to date a little bit, hadn't even acknowledged our interest to, to each other, And, um, and as she was praying, she felt like God said, you'll be married before the end of the year. This is August. We weren't dating. And she had this thought, I think we may be married before the end of the year. She told her sister, her sister's like, "Uh uh-uh. Justin is in college. He doesn't have a J-O-B. Okay. Doesn't need to happen. And, uh, So she just took it, kept it in her heart, meditating on it, and uh, I'll I'll never forget, we were driving back to Florida, and I'd had a conversation with my mom prior to leaving, and my mom was just saying, man, I think this is the right thing, son, and, you know, my mom, we always call my mom the brake pedal. My dad's the gas, he's like full speed ahead, all heart, you know, my my mom's like, pump the brakes, okay? (laughs) But my mom said to me while we were up there, she said, son, if this is the right thing, I don't see any reason why you need to wait beyond the end of the year. December weddings are great. I was like, who are you? <laughs> and I'll never forget, I was, we were driving home, passing through Orlando on our way to Lakeland, home separate homes for us, but we're driving through Orlando. And I remember I told her by this time, I said, I want to be more than friends. That was my thing that I said. Anyway, <laughs> so we're driving through Orlando and I said, I said to her, you know, uh, my mom said, <laughs> I don't know what song was on, but I was feeling it. You know, it was like, I'm just going with it. And I said, you know, my mom said, nothing, you know, December weddings are nice. She started crying. I thought, oh, no, I blew it. I blew it. I got carried away. And she starts crying. I said, what's wrong? And she said, I felt like the Lord spoke to me that we would be married before the end of the year. And I just went, thank you, Lord. Yeah, I knew. It's right. Come on. And uh, so I did, I did what I needed to do to get to a place where I could be married. And long story short, we couldn't arrange the wedding before the end of that year, but we did get married on January 1st, okay? And um, yeah, thank you, Chad. I'll take that clap for that. Which, actually, that brings up another point. Oftentimes, the, the, the word is clear, but we have to be flexible in the application of the word, okay? And again, we, we see through a glass dimly. Uh, we, we see in part. We prophesy in part. And so if you share a word from God, again, you don't have to put on a funny voice, and you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> like you are, you know, Elijah the prophet or something, you know? Just say, hey, I feel this. I, I sense this, that maybe there's something to this. And, and then just be open to see if that is in alignment with what others feel or, or if it's in the church, that there's, there's a witness from leadership, that this is God's will, God's directing us. Steph already referenced it, but Joshua and Jeanette opening the wall crawl yesterday, a beautiful, creative Photo studio that's just a lot of fun, too. Um, They had planned to go open in a different part of town and just didn't feel peace about it. And, And I think I have the story right. Jeanette was at a worship night, and my sister in law, Rachel, came up to her and gave her a word that ended up, long story short, and she can fill in the details, but ended up clarifying that God was redirecting them. She shared with Joshua, they had peace on it. And yesterday they opened this new place really prompted by a prophetic word. What is that? That's the gift of prophecy. God guiding us through prophecy. I could tell you many more stories, even in this church, of how God has used the gift of prophecy to guide us to where we're at. But I want you to understand this. The big idea is that God guides us through prophecy. If you cut yourself off from the gift of prophecy you are you are putting your fingers in your ears to the voice of God. God wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He is speaking. The question is, are we listening? So number 1, prophecy lifts up Jesus. Number 2, prophecy guides us into God's will. Number 3, prophecy often confirms what God is already saying. What he has said to us in his will, that means this if if somebody comes to you and says, you're supposed to be married to somebody named Betty. I don't know Betty, but if, you, if somebody came to you and said that, and you're currently married to someone named Shirley, <laughs> either Shirley's having a name change or they're off, right? Because that doesn't align with God's will and God's purpose. And so prophecy will confirm What God has already said in His Word, or perhaps some some promptings that you're already feeling. I I love the story in uh, in Acts chapter 21. Agabus the prophet comes to Paul, and he's warning him about going to Jerusalem. And he actually he does this weird kind of prophetic act. He takes Paul's belt off and he ties himself up, and and he's saying, "Hey, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, here's what's going to happen to you." Everybody else goes, "Oh no, Paul!" Don't go to Jerusalem. Paul goes, I already know. God's already spoken to me. In fact, when Paul first had an encounter with God, God spoke to him. Jesus spoke to him that many sufferings were awaiting him. And so this was not something that was outside of God's will and God's purpose. And that's how prophecy often works. The, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, that we have the prophetic word confirmed. Confirmed. Prophecy brings confirmation of what God is already saying. We've shared this before, but Brad and Melissa, I love Brad's Instagram post with his Father's Day t-shirt on last week, celebrating and really a miraculous answer to prayer that came out of a prophetic word. Brad and Melissa had been praying for a number of years, seeking God's will and purpose for them. And how many of you were here on the day that Jana, at the end of the service, said, I, I have a word I feel to share? Some of you were here. She said, I feel that uh, there's uh, someone here who's been married between one and five years and God is wanting to give you a child. She didn't know that they were making decisions that very day and that also that week, uh, I believe, you were celebrating your 15th anniversary. So it was not between 1 and 5. It was 1-5. It was 15. What was that? That was not redirecting the course of their life. It was just confirmation confirmation, God will use the gift of prophecy to confirm what he's already saying. Number four, prophecy is also uplifting, uplifting. Maybe you've been in an environment that there's a prophet that comes and it's like, oh boy, everybody's, you know, afraid. Does he know what I said last night? Does he know what I watched? Does he know all of the, is he going to call me out? Anybody ever felt that way? Just me, everybody else, y'all are super holy. (laughs) Just me, okay. (laughs) And I'm like, oh boy, here, here it comes, just going to expose, put it all out there, here we go. And uh, But I want you to know, although God does sometimes speak to us to, to rebuke us and to correct us, but it is always in order to lift us up. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, he who prophesies speaks edification, that means to build up. And exhortation, that means to stir up, to get us moving in the right direction, and comfort. So you could say it this way, prophecy will build you up, stir you up, and cheer you up. If there is something that is said in the name of prophecy and it pushes you down, breaks you down, kicks you down, and then stomps on you while you're down, that's not prophecy. Prophecy. That's not God's will. The Bible says here that it's uplifting, uplifting. I heard a story just a couple weeks ago um, during our prayer time. Justine, I think, was right over here at the end of the service, which this is part of the reason that we make time at the end of the service for prayer, for response, because we want to hear from God in that moment. And, And Justine was over here. And waiting for people to respond and just seeing, you know, what God would do. And suddenly uh, a guy gets out. I don't see him here today, but Nick uh, got out and uh, came down. And as he's coming down, she just has this word that comes to her, to her mind, about this guy Nick coming down. That he is tall physically, which she saw, but that God is wanting to make him tall spiritually that God is calling him to stand head and shoulders above others in the spirit. Now, that's a nice word, but she shared it with him. And the really interesting thing was when he came down, she said, this may sound weird, but I just have to say this. And, um, you know, obviously he's tall. She's seeing that. But he said, you know what? He said, I've been the tallest person, oftentimes my whole life. And he said, I don't even think about it anymore, but he said, I was sitting in the back uh, just a, a minute ago before I got out, and he said, I just looked around the room, and I thought, I think I'm the tallest person in this room. Joshua Gillamette wasn't here that day, but uh, so he has that thought, and then he gets out, and, and Justine has this word from God. Now, you may say, well, that's not like some major revelation. What is that? That's just encouragement. That's saying God knows you. He cares about you. Anybody ever been in a place that you just need some encouragement? You just need to know God's with you? The gift of prophecy is a great gift that says, wow, God knows me. God cares about me. It's uplifting. Number five, prophecy strengthens us for the battles ahead. Prophecy strengthens us for the battles ahead. Listen to what Paul says in First 1 Timothy 1.18. He says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, listen to this, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. He's saying, Timothy, you're in a fight right now. There's some challenges, there's some difficulties And and here's how you need to fight, Timothy, you need to fight according to the prophecies that were made concerning you. Anybody here have some prophecies that have been made concerning you? Anybody have a word that God's put in your heart? Perhaps he's spoken it to you in your time with him and you just felt that, that you knew God was speaking to you or perhaps you were reading the scripture and it was like, you know, it just comes alive and you... You hold on to that. Paul says that you need to hold on to prophecies because there will be a moment that will come that you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. And and if you don't have something to hold on to, you're going to fight empty-handed. The Bible says that this is Filled with great and precious promises. If you've never been given a personal prophecy, so to speak, the Bible is filled with great and precious promises. And so we can hold on to this word, but perhaps God has also given to you a a word for yourself, a personal prophetic word that you are to hold on to and fight with. Aaron, I think about the word that was given to you about writing songs. There's a lot of things that God has spoken to others of us that sometimes we just have to pull that back out. We have to pull it out like a a sword and we have to fight the good fight of faith with those prophecies. We have to say, I'm not going to let discouragement, I'm not going to let difficulty take me down. I'm going to fight according to the, the word. God, here's what you've said about me. Here's my conditions, here's my situation but I'm going to fight according to the prophecies that were made concerning me. There's things that God spoke to me when we started this church, that to be honest, there were moments that if I did not have that prophetic word, I would have felt like the enemy was going to take me down. I I would have felt like I could have given up, but I had to go back to, God, you've said to me, God, you've promised me, and you have to fight according to the Word of God. Maybe God has promised you something for your family, and right now it looks like it's the opposite. You need to hold on to the Word of God. Maybe it's something about your children, and God has maybe spoken to you in your own heart, or maybe somebody else has given you a word, and you just need to write it down, put it in a journal. I've got on Evernote, I've got A record of prophecies that have been given to me. And honestly, when some of them came, I just thought, "Mm, I don't know, but what do I do? I just save that because there may be a moment that I need to pull that out and I need to fight according to the prophecies made concerning me. And so prophecy strengthens us for the battles ahead. We need to hold on to these prophetic words. And number six, lastly, prophecy demonstrates God's power to the world. It demonstrates God's power to the world. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 14 says. And Paul is talking to this church that has has just gone crazy with spiritual gifts. You remember that. They're just like crazy, chaos, you know, like it's the kind of church you'd be like, I could never bring a friend there, right? And, uh, And you would think Paul would say, guys, stop the prophecy. Just cut it out right? You'd think that's what he would say, but that's not what he says. Listen to what he says. He says, if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. He says this, if if you If you're speaking in tongues, somebody comes in, they're going to have no idea what you're saying. But if you're prophesying, if the Holy Spirit is speaking through you in a place that is both decent and in order, but is also powerful, if an unbeliever comes in, they may not totally understand it, but it will cut through all of the resistance and it will cut to their heart. I have seen that in my life at times where I thought, man, this is going to totally put somebody off. God actually uses it to draw them in. I remember a time when I was a kid. I was in a service, uh, and I had a friend from school with me. And, you know, we all care about what our friends think. We care about what our friends think now. But how many of you know when you're in middle school, your life depends on what your friends think about you, right? That's how you feel. Maybe just me, okay. Um, But I, I had this friend from school with me, and this was one of these services that was like, I brought him on the wrong day. I brought him on the wrong day. Uh, it was normally it wasn't this way, but it was a crazy moment that some miraculous things happened. Uh, long story short, um, just this outbreak of the Holy Spirit, miracles, prophecies, spiritual gifts, and I thought he's going to tell the whole school. I'm, you know, he, <laughs> he thinks I'm weird, and he's going to tell everybody else. And I'll never forget, as this is all going on, this kid from my school turns to me and he goes, I'm a liar. I was like, What? (laughs) He said, I'm a liar. Everything I've ever said is a lie. I'm like, Wow, that's a broad brush, everything. But what was it? It was, he was seeing this, the power of God. He was convicted and convinced. He didn't even know what it was, but he suddenly, he's going, I'm exposed. I, I just have to get right. I'm falling down, and, and it's taking away all of my excuses. Why is that? It's because prophecy demonstrates God's power to the world. It doesn't have to be done in a weird way. It doesn't have to be done hyper-emotional, but when it is done and it's done in the right way, It's a beautiful, beautiful gift to demonstrate God's goodness, His love, and His power to the world. Amen? Amen. I want to ask you, if you would, just to stand to your feet. Worship team, if you would come back up.